is in the Bible 24 times. And I'm looking for a year of signs, miracles, and wonders. Dunamis power. Troy Brewer, it's great to have you on Charisma News to be able to talk about what God is saying for the year 2024. Um, and I know that you are the numbers guy. Uh, you, you've you got numbers that preach. And uh, that is a, a book that is really uh, one of the things that you're kind of known by. And uh, so whenever I think about numbers and the Bible, Troy Brewer is somebody that I want to get to know what, you're, what God's speaking to you through this. So we're heading into the year 2024. What is God saying to you, brother? Well, it's a lot, John, and thank you so much for having me here. I love the Charisma family, and, and I'm so grateful. Thank you, sir, for the opportunity. Well, okay, so, you know, whenever you look at the calendar, you can look at, are you going to look at it from the Hebrew calendar perspective, or are you going to look at it through the Gregorian calendar perspective? And what I say is God gave us two eyes, and I think it's important to look through both lenses. And um, if I go back and if I could just go back in time a little bit, uh, tell you, John, I've been looking forward to this year for a long, long, long time to come because mm-hmm. over the past 30 years of me seeking the Lord concerning the years to come, God's always given me a word for years and years and years ahead. Like he told me way back in 1986, he told me, keep your eye on 2020. And like I have been doing a study on 2020 all the way up until 2020, uh, 2016, 2020, and 2024 were huge on my prophetic calendars as everything changes. And Mm. 2016, everything did change. 2020, everything changed. And I really believe that everything's going to change again in the year 2024. Um, As a matter of fact, I think that you have to, well, to be very honest, I've never got a word past 2024. And it's been something that me and my teens have been talking about for 30 years. You got anything for 2025 or 2026? Or I'm like, I don't. And I thought, well, maybe I want to go see the Lord. I don't know. You know, why wouldn't God give me a word for anything into 2024 or past 2024? And this last year, I really understood it. And it's this, you have to have a new year for this new year. God is literally introducing New voices. We know that his word never, ever, ever changes, but his voice absolutely changes. And his voice is changing in a very, very dramatic way. I think that, I think that God is literally, this is like a year of the, of, of the Malchus miracle, you know, where the Lord mm. literally puts a new ear. He had his, he had his ear chopped off um, in the garden. And then God and King Jesus himself literally had to place an ear on him. And then of course we know that, 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 that John would say, and his name is Malchus, meaning he was known later on and he was, and he was known among the Greeks. And so I think that God has given us a new year. And I think that if we're going to look into the year 2024, I think that we have to understand that 5784 on the Hebrew calendar is the year of the open door and that that overlays with 2024 in a tremendous way. And I'd like to, I'd like to take you through it. So are you ready to go? Absolutely. Let's do it. And I like how, uh, what, 5784 is the year of the open door. And that's the name that God gave you for your church in in, uh, in Texas. So it's the open door experience. Yeah, so I think that's a really cool thing for you guys. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that it's the year of the open door because I am the pastor of Open Door Church. But if you go back, if you look at the 84th verse of the Old Testament, it's it's 
It's literally able at the altar. And the Lord told me that this is going to be a year of the altered state, that we have to learn how to live at the altar in the midst of the altered state. And then if you look at the 84th verse of the New Testament, it is Matthew 4.20, and it says that immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So we have always been people that are asking God for suddenlies. God is asking us for immediatelys. I need you to drop what you're doing and get with a new program. And so I preached that all throughout the year going into 5784. And then, of course, the 57, the 5784th verse, John, is a game changer. It's Deuteronomy 32, verse 25, and it actually describes the events that happened on October the 7th in Israel. And it says, "In, in the street, the sword will make them childless. In their homes, terror will reign. The young men and the young women shall perish, and the infants and those with gray hair. Now, that is a perfect description Mm -hmm. of October 7th and the Hamas terrorist attack. And that is the 5,784th verse. Now, going into the year 2024, the overlay of that is this. The number 24 is a number that's related to priesthood, and it's a number that is related to Uh, the encirclement of God's camp or the throne of Jesus himself being in the midst of people. So how is that? Well, the word lamb appears in the book of Revelation exactly 24 times, and it's always associated with the throne of Jesus. Revelation 5.13, and I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and under the sea, all of them saying, to him who sits upon the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So there's 24 lambs in the book of Revelation attached to the throne. And then there's 24 elders that also surround the throne. So what we find is the theme in the word of God prophetically with the number 24 many times is associated with a throne room scene. So the judgment of God is a big deal. The authority of the Lord is a big deal. Worship is extremely big. Um, John, the number 12 is a number that represents perfect government. So we have a 12 and a 12, which equals 24. And it has to do with the manifold government of God with King Jesus himself seated, uh, seated upon the throne. So I, I was looking this up this morning, uh, knowing I was going to talk to you. And I just thought, I need to look up the word judge. And I found that the word judge is found 24 times in the New Testament. So there you have wow. Jesus, wow. the righteous judge. And I, I have to tell you before we go any further with this, brother, God was not caught by surprise on October the 7th and how it, how it changed the world. It literally changed the world. Um, he's, I want to tell you, he saw every single bit of that and he still sees today. Mm-hmm. It is so important that you and I, as people of God, that we remain kingdom people, that we remain loyal, that we remain faithful and that uh, Jesus is, in fact, our king. So in 2024, John, um, we see that God is judging from his throne and those who have passed the test, so important that we pass the test. Uh, God is literally handing out to the faithful, to the loyal. He's handing out supernatural blessings, commands, permissions, and upgraded authority for the time to come. The Lord is literally upgrading people that have qualified. And I think that just since 2020, man, we've had to qualify for some things. We've had to decide to be loyal. We've had to be faithful to get through some things. And I see God Almighty bringing tremendous upgrade in the year 2024, and it's all connected with his throne. It's fascinating, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. I, I love how God speaks to you through these numbers. And I know that there's, there's more to meets the eye than just the words that are on the paper in the Bible. I mean, each in the Hebrew language, and I believe in Greek too, like there, each letter I know in Hebrew, each letter also represents a number. And so there is important yeah. things that are connected with that. Yeah. You know, in the Greek language, uh, with their, with actually with their alphabet, there's 20, there's 24 letters in the Greek alphabet. Mm-hmm. And yes, every single letter also represents a number the same as in the Hebrew, um, language, every single letter also represents a number. And of course it also represents a prophetic sign and the prophetic sign for the four for the 5784 or for the year 2024, the prophetic sign for the four is an open door. And I think that that's what we're talking about because, because what we see is we see that we're moving in from 2023 into 2024. And just exactly like that, we're moving from Psalms 23 into Psalms 24. And Psalms 24 is all about open doors in heaven. It's all about lift up your heads, you heavenly gates, who is the king of glory, right? It's about going through the valley of the shadow of death and seeing God Almighty arise in a tremendous way. Yeah. I think that that's a big part of it as well. Um, I was looking at this morning as well, I was looking at, you know, in the heavens, there is a star in the heavens that God Almighty placed there within our firmament that's in Ursa Minor or the Little Dipper, and it's it's the number 24. And it's actually numbered as 24. It's, it's 24 Ursa Minor. It's the closest star that there is to the North Star, the Polar Star. And the North Star or the Polar Star represents the throne of Jesus. Everything circles it saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is yet to come. It's the 50th brightest star. And 50 means jubilee. That means that you're set free mm. if you can find the throne. It's, it's the North Star. If you ever find it, you're never lost again, right? So all that is themes of the throne of King Jesus placed within God's creation. I think that um, this prophetically speaks of the judgment of Jesus for his redeemed people to be set free in the year 2024. Watch watch a great move of God take place in 2024 where addictions fall off. Watch a great move of God in 2024 where there's a revival against pornography, where men are no longer bound by that kind of sexual sin. Watch there be a big sweep and a big move of God as far as setting people for, um, set free this next year. Wow. Wow. Yep. That, that freedom is really important. I mean, because if we can get our people you know, God's people walking in freedom, then we're going to be a good example for people that are, that are yet to become into God's kingdom, yet to know Jesus. Because if we're walking in freedom, those that are in bondage see freedom and they want it. And so that's going to help, help a lot of people come into that revival. You know, I can, I can see that when we see the number 24 and looking into the year 2024, that when God likes to encircle things, he likes to stamp the number four on it. So we can see like the throne has 24 elders around it. There's 24 hours in a day. The world has 24,000 miles around it. And it has to do with being encircled. I shall be a wall of fire around you. And I will also be the glory in the midst of you. I think that the Lord really wants to burn bright in the midst of us this year. And uh, our role is to make sure that Jesus is sitting on the throne of our own hearts more than ever, ever, ever before. It also speaks of global impact, right? It speaks of global sanctions, global mandates, warfare on a global basis. All those things, you know, everything that we're looking at now is worldwide, 
everything. And mm-hmm. I think more than anything, uh, Brother John, I think, I think more than anything, I think that this next year, the big, huge theme, uh, one of the prophetic, and, you know, I have a small layer, somebody else has a small layer, you know, we all prophesy in part, but the midnight hour is a tremendous theme for me. It's the 24, mm-hmm. it's the midnight hour. And I think that we have to learn how to live like we are actually living in the end times, looking unto Jesus, walking in the fear of the Lord, um, us being so sold out toward the imminent and the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ and understand that our redemption is actually drawn nigh. So I was looking up words that have to do with, you know, 24, right? Has to do with final hour. Did you know that the word watchful is in the Bible? Be ye watchful 24 times. I was like, oh, yeah. What about this? The word redemption is in the Bible 24 times. Like, are you kidding me? Like, nope. The word, I'm sorry, the word repentance. So the, the command repent and be watchful. The word repentance is in the Bible 24 times. And the word, and the word be watchful is in the Bible 24 times. This is a year that God's going to speak so strongly about his imminent and his glorious return. And he's looking for people who are looking for him. Hmm. Um, we have to learn how to live like that. The Lord showed me the enemy is no longer interested in merely coming through the gates. He wants to burn them down completely. I love that how the Lord can speak through many people the same thing and then speak different things through each of us. I want to highlight one thing quickly. Now, some years ago, uh, Chuck Pierce uh, began to prophesy about the new Watchmen movement rising. And, um, you know, I jumped in on that. That's been one of the calls on my life is the Watchmen anointing and uh, began to write and teach on that. I was in prayer a few weeks ago and I was reading the book of Nehemiah. I always ask the Lord, what do you want me to read? He said, read the book of Nehemiah. And in one chapter, three times, it says the enemy burned down the gates. And I said, oh Lord, he said, the enemy is trying to burn down the gates. Now, in ancient times, this was literal, but now the Lord is speaking symbolically, figuratively. The enemy is targeting gates at all levels of society. It's not just borders, it's the seven mountains. And this is not a new strategy, clearly, but it is escalated because the Lord showed me the enemy is no longer interested in merely coming through the gates. He wants to burn them down completely. So there's no resistance to his plans. If he can burn down the gates, he can come in like a flood. Now we know the Lord will raise up a standard as the intercessors pray, but we need to understand not just what the Lord wants to do, but how the enemy is moving against God's will uh, so that we're positioned rightly for this era of war. You know, the enemy wants to dominate. He wants to change the times and the laws. Uh, He wants to see idolatry and immorality prevail in cities and nations. God wants to bring revival. So the kingdom of God suffer violence the violent take it by force. But, you know, the answer here is twofold. The the church in general must remember, we must remember that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. We must not allow the spiritual pressure that we're feeling. I know many leaders, many believers are feeling great pressure and the enemy wants to take that pressure and turn it into oppression so that we won't release our voice in prayer, so that we won't speak to that mountain, so that we won't stand in the gap, so we won't you know, make up the, make up the hedge. He wants us to lay down our weapons. 
especially with regard to the gates. It's a critical time at the gates because the gates are what? The point of enemy attack because that's the seat of authority. The gates are where judges and officers administrate justice. We're looking at the Bible here. The gates are where conspiracies are plotted. The gates are where councils are held. The gates are where prophets proclaimed the messages of God. Catch that. The gates are where the prophets proclaimed the messages of God. So the enemy wants to burn down the gates. Now here's the strategy. Watchmen must partner with gatekeepers at a higher level. We've seen for many years the watchmen on the wall, the gatekeepers guarding access. We need a new level of cooperation, sharing of prophetic intelligence, praying together between the watchmen intercessors, the watchmen prophets, and the gatekeeper intercessors. The gatekeeper intercessors must be alerted. See, the watchmen, you know this, the watchmen see from far off. The gatekeeper has a different perspective because the gatekeeper's job is to guard the gate. So we need the watchmen and the gatekeepers to really connect with one another. We don't need to be in silos. We don't need to be you know, in our little camps, our little flows, our little streams. We must, as we're doing here today, come together with different perspectives, different understandings of different cultures, different nations, different types of warfare, different streams of prayer. And we must begin to release the gatekeepers over these closed gates to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And it's the combination of the watchkeeper and the, the watchman and the gatekeepers through the avenue of worship and prayer that's going to prevent the enemy from burning down these gates. He's not going to prevail. I decree it in the name of Jesus. I declare that the watchmen and the gatekeepers are going to rise up. They're going to share intelligence. They're going to pray without ceasing. We're going to walk in humility. And I say in the name of Jesus, the mountains will move, the gates will be secured, and we shall prevail because we are a victorious church in Jesus' name. So there's a real separation that's been happening. What's going to happen is these two simultaneous revolutions at once, kind of everything coming to a head. It's almost like if you're watching a movie and it's the, it's the action-packed part of the movie. It's the climax of the movie. That's where I feel like we're at. Coconado, it's great to have you here on Charisma News to share what God is speaking to you about the year 2024 and what we need to be prepared for in this upcoming year. So welcome here to Charisma News. Hey, John, it's great to be back with you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us here. And I know that God has been speaking to you. We actually tried to do this earlier, but some things came up and we weren't able to record at that point. Yes. But we've been talking and and God is definitely speaking a lot of different things right now. So what is God speaking to you and preparation for 2024. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So he's given me this term, two simultaneous revolutions. And mm. so uh, it's similar to what some other prophetic voices are speaking about. I've heard uh, some of my friends say there's going to be a war and a roar in 24. And so this kind of goes along the same lines of there's two simultaneous revolutions. So what I mean by that is we're going to continue to see increased turbulence. There's going to be a much more bumpy ride this next year, and we should anticipate that. But at the same time, the saints that are what I call remnant people, people 
people that hunger and thirst for righteousness, the, the body of Christ, the real ecclesia, the body, they have been strengthened and fortified in their faith over the last few years. Because of some of the crazy things that we've been through, I think that God has allowed this time for us to really go into the secret place and get deeper in his word, because otherwise you couldn't make it. You know, we, we've got to have a strong walk with the Lord and be unshakable. And so uh, I believe that the church, those that are truly Christians that really love the Lord and are serving him have been fortified and strengthened. So Mm -hmm. as there's this turbulent ride where we're going to see unrest and all different types of things, and I think uh, we'll go through some of those that that the Lord has shown me specifically, but I believe that uh, while that's happening, we're going to see a Jesus revolution. We're going to see increased um, revival, you know, uh, awakening happening where people are hungry. They're coming to know Jesus. We're already seeing pockets of revival. We've seen this now for the last few years. And I think those different streams are starting to come together. And, uh, and listen, this isn't about somebody's name. It's not about a particular ministry. It's not about a particular church. It's about those that understand that the dower that we're in that discern uh, mm-hmm. that have the Issachar anointing of understanding and discerning the times, we realize the hour is extremely late. And so we need to be about the business of the Lord. And so there's a real separation that's been happening. And uh, what's going to happen is these two simultaneous revolutions at once, kind of everything coming to a head. It's almost like if you're watching a movie and it's the, it's the action-packed part of the movie. It's the climax of the movie. That's where I feel like we're at. So you said there's two simultaneous revolutions that are happening. Okay, are they both in the same general direction or is one good and one's bad? What's what how do we deal with this because yeah. I know um, if we're looking at the weather map, you've got like a low pressure system and a high pressure system and what happens in the middle is Oh, if you get too many of those, actually, you actually get tornadoes and a lot of storms. So yes. how do we prepare for the storm if one's going to be a good thing and one's going to be a bad thing? Well, it's it's like that old saying, the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. But what, what it is, is you're right. It's two different fronts. So one is good and one is bad. And, and it's kind of like Mount Carmel where they're coming mm-hmm. together here and the, and the prophets of God versus the prophets of Baal. That, that's really where, I mean, this is a time where we can't be on the fence. You know, we can't be fence sitting. We have to pick a side, light or darkness. You have to be all in if you're in in, in the Lord and uh, no compromise, no leaven. I think this is a time we really consecrate. We've talked about that in past interviews, but yep. consecration, holiness, uh, re- restoring the foundations uh, of, of our faith. Um, you know, this isn't like a greasy grace uh, season. You know, this isn't a time uh, where, you know, it's like a wide gate strategy. This is this is for the people that are serious about their walk. And so, uh, you know, the Lord showed me an example of a plane and and he's the pilot. Right. And we're going yeah. through some extreme turbulence, but we're going to be OK. The plane's not going to crash, but be prepared because it's going to get bumpy. And that's what's going to happen in 24. There's going to be a lot of folks trying to pull a lot of things, especially in the political arena. I mean, we've already seen the last few days now, uh, states are trying to get Donald Trump off the ballot. Look what's happening in Colorado. Um, I think we're going to see more of these types of things. We're seeing increased persecution of people that are speaking truth. Uh, They're coming after folks in ways that we haven't seen in the past here in the Western world. I mean, look at what happened with Rudy Rudy Giuliani or any of these guys that spoke out during the 2020 election. They're now being targeted. You got the folks that were down there January 6th that are basically being held without due process a lot of these guys right. have been, been in jail for a long period of time so i mean these this is an increase in all these areas and so that it's it's the spirit of antichrist which is really rising 
in this late hour. And we've always known that the target is Bible believing Christians. It's, mm-hmm. it's the church. And so in the past, this was a little bit more hidden. You know, we kind of thought maybe left versus right, or it's a political issue, but this is definitely a spiritual matter that's coming to a head. So to your point, uh, tornadoes in the spirit, I mean, that's kind of what's happening as a result. But we, we as the body of Christ, we need to be fortified in the word. We need to Amen. be trusting in our faith in Jesus Christ more than ever. He is the author and finisher. He says to occupy until he comes. He says he's with us until the end of the age. He says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And so we're on mission right now. But but if you're a believer in this hour, it's no mistake. Uh, it's not a mistake that we're alive in this time. And so our job is to be in the presence of the Lord, to be focused on the mission that he's given us, which is about souls and kingdom business. And we can't be moved by all these different things because we've got to be prepared. I mean, I, I think that th- there's a movie that just came out, John. I don't know if you saw this. It's a Netflix. I don't have Netflix, but I saw it on somebody, one of my friends' accounts. But uh, they have this movie that Obama and his wife produced. Did you hear about this? And no, I haven't. It's crazy. And it's it's something about uh, leave the world behind or something along those lines. I think the name of it is. But what it is, it's, it's, it's a movie that's produced by Obama and his wife. And basically, it's showing a, a large-scale cyber event that that happened here in the United States. And mm. uh, you know, when I see these types of things, I think about Event Two Hundred One that happened, you know, pre-pandemic. And you know, I'm not going to get too into that because I don't sure. want to get kicked off the street. <laughs> but uh, but you know, the deal is, is that that it, I I feel like they they signal sometimes their wicked agenda or their plans. And so, what we can do when we see these types of things is we can pray against the wicked agenda. We can pray against the plans. And, and so it seems like, I mean, even if you look at Klaus Schwab, the world economic forum, they've talked about uh, a cyber, you know, Pearl Harbor type event, you know, where it would be a major catastrophe. And what's interesting about that is we know that they're also building up to digital currencies mm-hmm. and different things that they have coming down the pike. We have the fed now app and the digital dollar that's being rolled out. These are very real things. So how could they advance something like that? Well, if there was a major event, that would be a way that they could really quick uh, advance that. And, and so we sure. know that the, the the enemy has plans, but we also know that he's the Lord is alerting spiritual intercessors, you know, Christians that are prayer warriors to mm-hmm. intercede and pray against these plans of the enemy. And I think a lot of times that's why he gives us a prophetic warning so that we can pray against these things. So I think these are some of their plans. Another thing that I think that they could potentially do is replace Joe Biden. Uh, we know that, um, you know, you got uh, Michelle Obama that the many on the left would love to see up there. You got Gavin Newsom, who's positioning himself, even debating guys like Ron DeSantis and things like that. So uh, there's a lot of things in the works, John, uh, yeah. you know, and, and so we just need to be aware of these. You know, there's there's a lot of things that are going on right now, but I've, I've been doing, you know, several interviews with people about what God is saying about 2024, but I'm kind of noticing a, a common thread and I just want to kind of compare this with you. Okay. Um, things are going to get worse, but for the people of God, we know where our hope is, is found. And because our hope is found in Christ, we're not going to be harmed. Things around us might have, might be in turmoil, but we are going to, to rise above is, is that, that seems to be a common thread that we can kind of hold on to know as, as dark as things might be, our hope needs to remain in Jesus Christ, not even in a prophetic word that somebody gave, but our hope needs to be in Jesus Christ. 
That's exactly right. And in fact, we can't rely on somebody else's prophetic word or things like that. We have to hear from the Lord. We have to be in prayer regularly. We got to have a regular prayer life. I'm talking every day uh, in the word of God, you know, worshiping the Lord and hearing from him. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. And to your point, I do believe that there is a protection that's offered to the saints of God, those that are about the business of the Lord. And the way that works is, I mean, if you think about it, even in this former Soviet Union or in the underground church in China, the under underground church is thriving right now in China. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's revival that's happening. People won't hear about it on the mainstream corporate media, but this, this is happening right now. And these folks are probably more on fire than most Western Christians because they know what desperation is. And yet they right. also know how to seek the face of the Lord and be in his presence. And if you think about it, I mean, that's what Paul was able to effectively do. You know, he, uh, David, you know, encouraged themselves in Christ. This is what we're going to need to learn how to do is encourage ourselves in Christ. And remember, we're citizens of heaven. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so Mm. what I believe firmly to your point is that when we focus our, instead of when we wake up, say, Lord, what can you do for me? You know, can I get this thing? Can I get that thing? Can you answer this prayer? What if we align ourselves with the spirit of God and say, Lord, what can I do for you? How can I show up best to serve you today? What can I do today to, to you know, have divine appointments and, and be about your business? When this happens, the favor of the Lord is on us. The blessing of the Lord is on us. Financially, we'll be taken care of it because if you make it about souls and kingdom business, the Lord, you can't outgive God. You know, he, mm. he's going to make a way where there is no way. And I know this because we've seen it in the ministry for years now, even in 2008, during the major crash in the economy at that time. I mean, we prospered because we continue to be about the business of the Lord. And, and so I just really believe that God's hand and favor is on those. But we've got to get rid of vain imaginations. We've got to get rid of, uh, you know, motives that are not of the Lord. Uh, we can't compare ourselves to others. We've got to walk out our calling and just be faithful. I hear the Lord saying these are things that are necessary and they are normal because the devil is always going to push back against what the kingdom of heaven is doing. What is God saying to you about this next season of 2024? Yeah, so back on November 4th, um, oftentimes I'll hear from the Lord when I'm in uh, just a worship session, you know, like I'll just be spending time with the Lord, either reading the word, worshiping or praying. And uh, I began to receive this word that is relatively long, like the Lord just began to, it's like he began to download this and I began to write down as I was listening. Um, Part of it is a word of knowledge about a, a strange event happening in the political arena, actually here in the United States, I believe. Um, and then the other part, half of it is an, what I would call an encouragement for the body of Christ. And in this word, the Lord talks about, he kind of gives us a little bit of a warning about things that are coming. And so I believe the Lord is addressing this ahead of time because, you know, like Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you even ask. Well, it, I, you know, if you look at all of scripture, you can actually take it a, a step further and say, God knows what we need before it even becomes a need. You know, before we even know it's a need, like, and, and especially before we ask, like God knows what's coming ahead of time. And we see that time and time again with the Israelites in, in the Old Testament, that God knew what was coming and he already, he, he had already like set up a plan of events. And so I believe that's what God is doing with this word is he's saying, hey, this is something that my people need to hear ahead of time because of what's coming. Um, so what I heard uh, specifically was I heard the Lord say, you're entering a season of renewal. And then I heard this phrase, renewal of the saints. So I believe God is speaking to believers, those who have put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
And he's saying there's a season of renewal coming. And this is the next thing I heard. And at first I did not understand it until I Googled the definition of this word. Uh, but I heard the phrase, a precious element, a precious structure, the, the church body. And then I heard the Lord say, she is precious to me. She's my bride, a structure I oversee and watch over in every way. I oversee the changes happening within my church. I oversee and protect what's mine. So I believe God is fighting against the this idea. And this is something I was praying earlier today. And I just got this sense from the Lord that this, this is something that many believers are potentially struggling with right now and are going to be struggling with in 2024 is this question of and this kind of fear of like what is happening to the church what's happening to the body of christ are and you know it's like this fear of the church running haywire or just things being out of control and i believe god is addressing this and he's saying hey take a step back and look at it from the big picture perspective this is a vessel that i have my hands on and i'm not going to let things run out of control i'm not going to you know like things are not just running the course like i am making i'm protecting my body is what the lord is saying here but he uses this phrase, a precious element, and he's talking about the church. So I looked up that term element and the definition, one definition is a group of people of a particular kind within a larger group or organization. So I believe God is talking about what I would you know, call, quote unquote, the remnant from scripture. But the remnant, in, in, as far as I can see in scripture, is basically just those inside of the church organization who actually know the Lord. You know, because the church itself, like if if you looked at historically speaking, it's like there's an organization there, yet not everyone that steps inside of a church is an actual believer, you know? And so it's like there is, God knows who's who's are his, you know, and not every Christian worship artist that puts the the you know the word Christian in front of their album is a you know, is is technically a Christian. It's like it, it really comes down to do they know the Lord or not. And, and here's the other definition. The other thing I found was uh, this word element here uh, was in, it said in church use, the bread and wine of the Eucharist. So, you know, what we would call communion. It's like the what, what does the pastor usually say? Like, OK, take the elements in your hand. Right. You've got the juice and you've got the wafer like you're taking the element. Jesus. So this is what Jesus said. OK, uh, I'm going to I'm going to read this and I'm going to move on to the next part of this word that I heard. Luke 22, 19 through 20, he says, it says, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is being given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup, which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So there's two things here. Number one is if a renew renewal of the saints is going to happen in, in, in 2024, we need to, number one, do things in remembrance of Christ. You know, obviously taking communion is amazing. But that's not all that God is talking about here. But he says, do this in remembrance of me. So we need to look back and remember what Jesus has done for us. But then also he says, this, uh, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So we need to make sure that we're operating under the new covenant. See, the devil is coming against the body of Christ right now. And the, the devil doesn't have to get true believers to go outside of the covenant, to, you know, to technically go outside of the covenant. He just has to get us to go back to an old covenant mm. to throw us off track. You know, but when we look in the scripture, we see that what Jesus did for us was the ushering in of a new covenant. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is issuing this warning to the body because he's reminding us, hey, the new covenant is better. You know, it, it's, it says that God, is, this, this is a better covenant built on better promises. So I'm going to go through this word. I'm going to keep reading this prophetic word. And I believe that we're going to see we're going to see some of this language here. 
Um, but I heard the Lord say, I'm, I'm coming to get her. And then he's, and he's talking about the bride here. But until that day, I'm changing her to look more like me. So I don't believe this is a rapture date, you know, like for 2024 or something like that. But the Lord is saying, there's something that's supposed to be happening, you know, until the Lord come, returns. And then he says, my motives, my heart, my victories, my servant-minded attitude. I want what's actually right for her, not what she thinks is right. So, so we're in this process of sanctification through the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's it's a transformation, you know, where, where when Jesus looks at his bride, he looks at the finished work, right? He he looks at uh, the this this perfect representation of who he designed us and created us to be. And what's amazing, John, is when G when Jesus looks at us, that's what he sees. Those who believe in him, I mean, he sees us as righteous, and he sees ex us exactly the way he designed us to be, you know, and. He doesn't even look at all the 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 flaws and the things that are you know like still hanging on where, where like the things we're working through, because he sees where we're going. And some some days we need to you know there there are times where we need to sit down and we need to be honest with God about what we're struggling with. We need to focus on that and we need to say, Lord, help me with this. And there are other times where we need to quit paying so much attention to the struggle and we need to stop looking at that. We need to start believing. No, this is who Jesus has made me. This is who He's called me to be. This is where I'm headed. And I'm not going to let this weigh me down, but I'm going to focus on who he has made me to be in, in him, in Christ. And a lot of times when we get our, our eyes off of the old and, and onto the new, then God is actually able to do something new in our lives. So, so I believe that this is a, it's a sanctification process that we're in. But here's the other thing. This, this is interesting to me. This is something that the Lord began to show me earlier today. Uh, this idea of like, the church running haywire. We see, we're seeing a, a movement in the church. There's different things that are happening, like, you know, rise of the deliverance ministries, you know, like in ways that we've never seen before, different things that are happening, like online ministry, you know, all this, all this different stuff. And, and, and we're seeing, um, you know, weird things too, that aren't, aren't from the Lord, you know, like we're seeing a mix of, a mix of stuff here, but it's easy to start thinking like the, the different or the new is messing up the church or is, is, is destroying the church. And a lot of times, you know, uh, I believe the the older generations can look at the younger generations and they can begin to say, um, this is the way we've always done things. So what you're doing is not right. And then the younger generation can look at the older generation and say, yeah, but we know better because we've seen the way you've done things and we've seen where you made mistakes, you know, and both of those are strategies of the enemy that are actually meant to rip the church apart. Yeah. But and, if, and, if they're committed to work with each other, they would actually strengthen each other. Yeah. And, and this, this, uh, I'm going to keep reading this, this prophetic word that the Lord spoke, because I feel like this is, 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 it's God is bringing it down to one simple message. So this is the next thing I heard. I want her to acknowledge me in all things. He's talking about the, the church. He says, not just in some, not just when it's convenient, not only when it's popular. She's talking about us acknowledging him and essentially not looking to ourselves for the answer. And then, and then uh, I heard there needs to be a movement toward acknowledgement and away from self-centeredness if she's going to thrive this next year and a half. And he said, because things are coming to challenge her and she will be ready if and only if she can manage her own issues by taking them to the foot of the cross daily. So the Lord's talking about the cross and he's talking, to, talking about us coming back to the cross, right? As, as, as a body of believers and as individuals and realizing, hey, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, so if that was true, then it's still true now, you know, like, and I need, I, it's like, there, I'm just going to speak for myself. You know, when I see God do th things through me, I start thinking, 
I'll, I'll add that to my, you know, checklist of like achievements, or I'll add that to my trophy wall or, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. wait a minute. I wasn't the one that did that. <laughs> you know, like I should be giving Jesus the trophy in this, in the form of praise to him because he's the one that did it. Like, you know, and, and the problem is we start to let this, this wall of pride build up, you know, based on these things sometimes, or we go the opposite direction. We go, well, look at all their trophies that look, I haven't done anything, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm messing this up, you know, and we start, and then we start beating ourselves up. And it's like, no matter which side of that fence we're on, you know, when we start to acknowledge God, you know, like Proverbs says, uh, uh, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. You know, it's like when we start to do that and we're like, hey, I'm going to acknowledge what Jesus did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe what the scripture says about me because of what he did. And I'm going to acknowledge what God is doing on the earth today through his body. Not, not what I have to do, but what God is doing. And I'm just going to take part in that. You know, I'm going to jump. It's like we jump onto the bandwagon, you know, like it's already moving. God's already working. We just get We just get on board, you know, and then I believe God is able to do so much more uh, when we're, when we're starting from that place. But this, this is a, you know, I think one of the things the Lord is addressing is the division that's caused by selfishness, you know, in the body and by the, the me centered, you know, and, and the Lord is, is appealing to the church and saying, Hey, don't, don't just look at yourself. Now, do we need to take care of ourselves and our families? Absolutely. Right. But, but the word also talks about like, you know, us not merely looking out for our own personal interests. So there's this idea of when the love of Christ comes in, you know, and starts to take over and take root. It's like, we look out, yes, we look out for our own personal interests, but we are also looking out for the interests of others. We're also taking the consideration in mind of the full body, the full picture. Uh, you know, the, the, what, the, what the, this is what um, Ephesians 2 calls the body. It says, it says, uh, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. So, so Ephesians, Paul is writing and saying, hey, the whole church is being built into a dwelling of God in the spirit. And you're part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a building process. And I've, I've seen buildings go up, you know, from start to finish from scratch. It's like there's so many different people involved in that process from the planners to the, the architect, the, you know, the, the draw, the people that are drawing the blueprints to, to the people laying the foundation and, and constructing it. It's, it's all these different professionals you know, that are involved. And that's what the ch- church being built up is like, is like, Hey, you, you can't, you can't hire a, a um, plumber to go out there and do the full job. They only, they only do their one part, you know, <laughs> like, but God is the master builder and he's designing it and he's got the blueprint in mind. And he's the one that's saying, Hey, now, yeah, you know, I'm putting you here. I'm putting you here. I'm putting you here, but we all need each other. And we, we need to recognize that we are part of a dwelling of God in the spirit. And when we come at it from that perspective, it's like we get humbled and, and we start going, man, I just I want to I want to help you if I can, you know, like because I know you're you're doing the same thing that I'm doing. So we're serving the Lord together and we want to see the light of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, shine in the world. And, and I want to I want to be here any way I can to help you. Now, that doesn't mean we don't put up boundaries and all that kind of stuff. You know, like we need to have a healthy relationship with others. But at the same time we don't just consider our own needs. You know, like Paul says in Philippians, we, we're not looking out merely for our own personal interests. And that only happens through the, the, the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, and I'm, I'm just grateful that, that he's willing to help us because <laughs> none of us are good at this, you know, like, right, our, right. like 
there's none of we us all fall short of the glory of God. Right. Like none of us get this, you know, um, without his help, but uh, I'm just so grateful that he's willing to help us, but this is amazing. This verse. And then I want to read the next, this next, uh, part of this word that God gave me, but this is James four, six. It says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we all need grace to be able to do this, right? And to be able to not judge too quickly and to not, you know, criticize a movement just because we don't understand it, but to whether to rather wait upon the Lord and say, Lord, is that from you or not? You know, and make sure that we're actually coming at it from the right perspective. Like we all need that grace, but in order to do that, we simply need to say, God, I I need that. <laughs> you know, like I need help and God is willing to help us. This is the next thing I heard. I heard the Lord say, break down the walls of self-accomplishment that have held you captive and open up to me in every way. So the Lord is saying this, the, this self-accomplishment mindset is actually holding us captive. It's keeping us from, from being able to move forward in what he has for us as the church. And then he said, be willing to acknowledge your need for my mercy and grace in every situation. Acknowledge me and see my victory take you higher. So I'm out his victory at the cross. And then, and then I heard the Lord say, begin to walk in the new life I have for you through my sacrifice becoming your all. So I'm going to stop there for a minute. The Lord's telling me to stop because what he's saying here, begin to walk in the new life I have for you through my sacrifice becoming your all. I think as Christians, a lot of times we want to add to what Jesus has done because we feel that it's necessary. And the only reason we feel that it's necessary is because we haven't we haven't stopped to to sit in the truth and the reality of what Jesus has done long enough. We, we haven't meditated on what he, he's done. And, and here's the most amazing way to do it, John, is and you know this too, but I, I'm just sharing it for those listening. You know, and, and we all as Christians, we know this. You know, it's just that we need to be reminded of it. I need to be reminded of it. The most amazing way to do that, I believe, is to get into the New Testament and read about what he's done, get into the gospels, get into the, the, the letters of Paul, you know, and, and John and Peter. And all, it's like, read a, what God has written to us about what Christ has done. It's all through there, you know, but sometimes we read and we go, oh, well, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. And we just kind of gloss over it. But it's like, it's, it, if you read stop and you read, it, it's like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, like what, it means, you know, like what Jesus' sacrifice means for me now. It's like the most amazing thing, but I, I just haven't stopped to think about it, you know, lately. And it's like, we need that. We, we need to be in that place of meditating on what he's done. But then I heard this from the, and it was as if from the father's perspective, I heard the Lord say, quit trying to bring your all to the table separate from what I have done and begin to instead find your all in me. And then I, and then I heard in identifying with my son's victory that day, when he poured everything out for you. So I love this. Do we, you know, the word talks about how uh, we've died with Christ, right? Like we, and, and, but it all starts about how we are raised to life with him too. You know, we get to identify in his death and our flesh, like we crucify the flesh, but at the same time, it's like we get to identify in his victory, you know? And I believe that that is a word. And I just sense the Holy Spirit saying that that's the word for somebody for 2024. Like you need to start identifying in the victory that I won for you. I hear the Lord saying, man, this is, this is good news because when we start identifying in the victory of Jesus Christ, our feelings become a, a lie. <laughs> they don't become the, our source of truth. Now they are, uh, they're, you know, our feelings are valid and it's something we should be willing to talk with. We, we should, you know, talk about, we should be willing to deal with, you know, but 
sometimes they're just a lie. You know, even when we feel like, well, I don't feel victorious today. We can look at what Jesus has done. We say, no, but his victory is my victory. I don't have to feel it to know that it's true. And I'm, and the more I step into that, the more I get to walk it out. And, uh, this is, a this is the next thing I heard. I heard the Lord say, this is enough. Why are you trying to look other places for, for fulfillment? And then I heard him say, and this is again, from the father's perspective, but he said, what my son did is enough to fill every space, to mend every issue, to fix every problem, to open every wound in every single heart and bring healing. And then I heard supernatural, unequivocal healing. And I did not know what that word unequivocal meant. And that's what I heard. I wrote it down. I, I Googled it. And it means leaving no doubt, leaving no doubt. So this is saying this is supernatural. It's like, this is a miracle. This is a healing. I believe this could be representing, God could be talking about physical healing. Absolutely. But I believe he's also talking about uh, the healing of people's hearts. He's talking about the healing of wounds. It could be church hurt. It could be disappointment from something we thought God was going to do a certain way. And it doesn't seem like he did it. And, it, we, and we feel like God has let us down. Listen, God never let, someone needs to hear this. God never lets you down, but that does not mean you're not going to feel like he has. We got to dig in our roots. We have to reassess our priorities. We've got to sit down and let God have time to shape us into something. Great to have you back on Charisma News, and this time we're talking about what God is saying to you about the year 2024. We are about to turn the calendar, and this is an important time that people are looking to prophetic voices to say, what is God saying? We are listening. We're ready. So, brother, what is God saying to you about 2024? Well, uh, John, first of all, I always enjoy when I do an interview with you because you ask the best questions. And in this case, it's not just a good question, it's a hard one. So I'm going to answer it and unpack it as best I can. There are many voices out there right now that are not trustworthy. And uh, people feel that. I mean, they feel a distinct sense that, why is this person saying this about the future? Is it for money? Is it to titillate the audience? Is it to join the long train of uh, fascination now with the prophetic, or why is he speaking this? So I answer the question reluctantly and with conviction. Okay, I really believe that in 2024, there is one, one thing to bear in mind. The left is going to behave like a wounded animal. Uh, you have to see that they've been cornered. Their escapades, their extremes, their overreaches in government are all coming back to haunt them now. And the American voter sees blood in the water and they're going to make them pay. So in the interim, knowing this is, knowing that, for example, that Joe Biden now has the lowest approval rating of any president in history, that uh, they know they have to do something. So the individual who controls the teleprompter, whoever they are, is going to do anything and everything to make it miserable for people of faith and people that oppose the current regime. Wow. 
So Mario, there's you're saying that they're going to make it miserable uh, because they're a wounded animal, and I, I like that uh, that description. I mean, I don't like that it's coming like that because wounded animals are when they're cornered, they're going to attack. They've got nothing left to lose. They are going to attack with everything they have to survive. And yes. so we're looking at that type of a situation right now, and it it seems that that what you're saying, it, it just makes sense uh, logically, but you're, you're talking for, from a prophetic vantage point as well. Yes. So let's unpack the prophetic aspect of this even more. Cause what, what God is saying to you is, I believe it's more than just what you've told us. I believe that there's more to unpack there than just the things that we can kind of see with our own logical eyes. Yeah. You know, recent, uh, recent events, tell me that the strong Christian is the Christian of the future. Uh, we have uh, talked about the blessed Christian, the prospered Christian, the grace-forgiven uh, Christian, and all of those things are valid and true, but we've entered a new season, and that is where the word strength is going to matter. And the Bible says in Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In 2024, we got to dig in our roots. We have to reassess our priorities. We've got to sit down and let God have time to shape us into something. I'm working on an article right now that's going to be published in several outlets. It's called The Anointing Breaks the Woke. And uh, in this particular study that I'm going to release, I talk about not woke as a philosophy or a person, but a spirit. It's a spirit because very often you'll see in many videos online that when a person confronts a woke individual on the streets and asks them a logical question, they seem to start to manifest. They're not capable of giving a coherent response to a direct, simple question, whether it be about gender, whether it, whether it be about the Bible, whether it be about uh, freedom or responsibility, personal responsibility. What that tells us is that people really aren't, they're, they're emotionally disassociated from the basis of their position. And I want to tell you, that can sound real confusing, but it's not. It means they no longer know why they believe what they believe. They just feel it and they're mad about it. So they'll defend it. And when they lack any rational rebuttal, they'll begin to call you a racist or they'll say that you're transphobic, homophobic. And they meant all these phobias that are really just honest questions about the direction of the nation. The other problem they face, and I think, John, that this is very critical to understand, who in their right mind would be doing what we're doing with our border? Who in their right mind would be having men and women's sports? Who in their right mind would defend an economy or defend a foreign policy, which has been an unqualified disaster? Who would in their right mind defend that? So when someone says to me, I'm going to vote to reelect Joe Biden, and I know this is political, but I'm being prophetic about it. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is when you're placed and you're in that position where you're framed to say, well, I want him, there's only one option that they have. They have to use uh, ad hominem attacks on our character. They have to question our sanity 
or they have to vilify Trump. But one thing they don't have is a plan, a solution, or an apology for what they have done to this country. And so supernaturally, they've been placed in power by the evil one. And the only way to respond to that is supernatural. Now, you know, let me, let me give you a vivid example of this. There are two words that every Christian needs to have in their vocabulary, the word policy and the word prophecy. Now, let's, let's just take a moment. Policy is every human law that has been being written right now. And, and it's laws that the Bible even tells us it's possible for evil to enact laws. It says it in Psalm 94. Will you have fellowship with those who devise evil by law? So anyone that blindly says Christians are supposed to obey, obey every law, they have to look at the word of God. We're supposed to obey every moral law, every civil law, but not an evil law. So here's the moment that we're in. God is going to raise up a special breed of people. The policy will be swallowed up by the prophecy. The Bible says the anointing will break the yoke. I define the yoke as whatever mass form of evil is present in your generation. Jesus, when he described the anointing, he said, the anointing is on me because. Then he said, here's the evil. Here's the sickness. Here's the devastation that the anointing of God is on me to address. That's what we're doing in our tent crusades. We, we are really not even waiting for the local church to realize what we're doing. We want them to feel the love and the support, but we can't wait for them to come along. We are under the anointing addressing the yoke, which is woke, of this hour and getting people saved and delivered. And that's why I believe this is 2024 is the era of the strong Christian. I want to reference three things that have happened. Number one is uh, an individual that I called out is now under investigation by the attorney general of his state, which is uh, a relief because he is uh, diverting funds into illegal channels. The second is that an individual that I mentioned became deathly ill, and I don't rejoice in that at all, but they had to leave the field and were unable to uh, give their voice of their kind of their uh, false visions and dreams and interpretations were interrupted. Uh, the third is, is that other prophets that are legitimate are stepping up mm -hmm. and they're not afraid. And a lot of uh, uh, the education that I had to give people was that they needed to read Jeremiah again, read the book of Jeremiah again. And you'll see he devoted a great deal of his time to exposing false prophets, not just the sin of the king or of the culture, but of those that were claiming to speak in the name of God and they were false. Jesus did the same thing. Paul did the same thing. And I'll go you one better. There's never been a legitimate anointed voice in the history of the faith that didn't at some point confront false teachers or false prophets in their ministry. Mm -hmm. Every one of them have done it. Whether it be Catherine Kuhlman, David Wilkerson, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, that's just in the 20th century. But right. go all the way back and you'll see it. It is absolutely a, a universal part of the calling of God.
to expose falsehood. I did it because as a soul winner, it was looking, it was making us look stupid to the outside world. And I needed to step aside and say, look, this isn't God. This is not God. This is man making up stuff and woman making up stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that's it. So the current trend is that people are waking up, they're coming out of it, and and they're and a lot of houses of worship are being shaken right now because God is preparing us for the yeah. storm. And we've got to be ready. <laughs>